Great. Do sign up. So we've asked you to sign up for quite a few things this morning. So we have our new members class. Even if you're not wanting to join the church, if you are considering joining the church, you should come on out and listen and understand what we are about as a people. And our Bible study for life, which, uh, as Crystal just said, and uh, Sister Diver will begin again in February. So uh, please sign up. We want you to participate. We have uh, different age groups for our young children, as well as our teen and our adults. And so that is kind of our version of what we would call Sunday school, but they're, they're more discussion-based and it's held every Wednesday, seven o'clock, uh, starting in February. So please, uh, right at the information table, there is a sign-up sheet. So we want you to go out there and sign up. We'd love to see your face in the place, amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 11 and stand to your feet uh, while you're doing that. Genesis chapter number 11. <clears throat> and we ask you to stand in reference to, uh, to reverence God's word as we understand his word is everything. And so we honor it by standing and reading together. And I want to start reading in verse number one. And I'm going to read down probably to verse eight. If I feel like it, then I'll go to verse number nine. We'll just see how it goes. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech. It came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased from building the city. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, what a wonderful, wonderful privilege it is, Lord, to take heed to your word this morning. We thank you for your word, the power of it, the wisdom of it, the truth of it. Father, the deliverance of it. Father, we thank you. Now, Father, at this particular moment, Lord God, I pray that the distractions will be kept to a minimum. I pray, God, that you would help us to focus, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. For, Lord God, we thank you for your word, Father God. Go forth before us right now, God, and open every heart, open every ear. God, that we may understand what you're saying to us. Use this vessel. Father God, which is less than perfect, but Lord, you called me anyway. Use me for your glory and use me, Lord God, to feed your people that of which, God, you want them to have. And Father, as always, we will be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. As we had begin, uh, talked last week, we begin our series entitled Push. Push is our theme for 2015, for those of you who were not here. And PUSH really is an acronym for Persevere, Unify, Stay Focused, and Harvest. This is our theme going forth for 2015. And so we have said that PUSH is our go word. And so last week, we focused on the first letter in our acronym, which was P, if you can see behind me. And that was PERSEVERE. So in that particular sermon last week, and if you did not get it, you can go online and you can download it and you can listen to it at your leisure. But we were reminded about why we do what we do as a church, as a people. We talked about the marks of a true disciple, which is very, very important. Uh, we, um, uh, we took the time to call us back to the place of persevering in our pursuit to win souls. We talked about the fact that there's an enemy that is fighting against us to try to stop us from doing what God wants us to do, and that is to advance his kingdom in the earth. And so we really focused on our ability and our capacity to push forward, knowing that we're going to face opposition, knowing that sometimes if we're not careful, we don't take time to reflect and think about what we're doing, we can get lost in the weeds. So this time of year, we like to take time and sit back and just kind of uh, refocus ourselves and make sure that we are in the will of God. And so today we're going to take up the second letter in our acronym, and it is entitled UNITY. Everybody say UNITY. unity. I want to talk to you this morning parenthetically, because I've been doing this now for some 24 years coming up in July. I've been walking with the Lord some 24 years. And I've been in so many uh, different uh, capacities uh, in serving in God's house, serving his people. And one of the things that I have discovered over the years is that unity is very, very hard to achieve. It's hard to achieve. It is not something that is easy. It is something sometimes that... Um, can be very difficult, can be very challenging, but the rewards of walking in unity are well worth it. You agree with that? There's something that is absolutely beautiful about walking together in unity. And let me say this, our biggest challenge as a people, as a church, as people of God, our biggest challenge, I'm convinced of this, our biggest challenge, I've seen it, I've been doing this for many years, our biggest challenge is our ability and our capacity to be able to rise above division and to rise above disunity. The enemy knows, and you should know, that unity is a powerful force. Powerful. I'll show you that here in a moment. It's Powerful. And so the enemy of our souls, he fights us. He wants us divided because he sees the bigger picture. Sometimes, how many know that if we're honest with each other, we get tunnel vision? You know, we get tunnel vision. It's about me, mine, and mine, and mine, and mine. But it's not. That's what the devil wants you to think. There's something that is bigger than what you see. 
Disunity to the body of Christ and to the people of God is what kryptonite is to Superman. Did anybody ever watch Superman? Superman was powerful. He could stop a locomotive. He could fly with great speeds, great power. All of a sudden, he got kryptonite. He was weakened. Disunity is like kryptonite to a people. And we must be determined to chase down unity like a person who have lost control. Why? Because it is the backbone to everything that we do as a people. Think about this. Jesus, son of God, 100% God, 100% man. Even Jesus could not do. Some of you are really gifted. I get it. Some of you are smart. You are intelligent. And, and, and you may think that you could pull off some stuff all by yourself. But the reality is you can't because God designed us to have to depend on each other. Some of you don't like that thought. You think I could be anointed all by myself. Wrong. I can show you tons of scriptures that go against that. Jesus, as powerful as he is, he, even himself, he needed 12 people that he poured his life into in order to take the kingdom further. He, listen, he was here doing great things, but what did he make sure to do? He had somebody that he worked with and somebody that he poured himself into. Can I say something? If Jesus needs other people, how many know we need other people? You ain't, you ain't brighter than Jesus, and you're no smarter than Jesus. None of us are. And so we must understand that the whole, all of us, is better than the sum of each individual parts. I mean, you know, we can accomplish so much more when we are a force working together. You must understand this, and I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but, but, but even Satan understood this concept. <sighs> Satan... Think about it. Satan is the master of disunity and division. You know that he started it in heaven? The Bible says, watch this, that there was war in heaven. Read Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, I believe, somewhere in there. His language is imagery. But he's, he's talking about language. He's using language about how the, in heaven there was this big war in heaven. And the dragon fought against the people of God. The dragon is known as Satan. And, 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 and in that particular passage, it talks about a third of the stars or the angels fell with him. I, I, I pause for a moment. Can you think with me for a second? How can Satan, you, you know, and, and, and perfection and all of that, the angels, they're in the presence of glory. He was able to convince angels to fall. With him, the spirit of the rebellion and disunity, it never likes to be alone. It always seeks other people to take with it. Why? Because it's the spirit. And Satan comes down. And what do he want to divide us against? He wants to divide us against the will and the purposes of God. So he comes down to cause us to be divided because he knows. And what was Jesus' most prolific prayer? 
Jesus said, Father, read it in John chapter 17. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one. The biggest obstacle sometimes to the church is not the devil, it's us. Now, if you read your Bible, uh, the scripture gives us warning. He, he tells us. He tells us how we're to function. And how many know when you know your enemy, you're supposed to position yourself like you know? If you know your enemy, act like you know what the enemy is trying to do. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I love you. The fight, you wrestle against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Understand that. you got to get that into your souls. you got to get that. The spirit of rebellion comes from the pit of hell. It is demonic. It comes from Satan. That's why we got to run from it. Because it undermines the move of God. I believe every one of you are here today because you love God. You're not here today because you just want to show up. You had nothing else to do. You love God. You want to see God's purposes done in the earth. You want to see his kingdom come, his will be done. But don't think it's going to be a picnic. Don't act like, hey, it's going to be all roses. I, I, I marvel how people go from one church to another church to this church to that church. Every time somebody offends you, listen, you're going to live the rest of your life going from church to church, never, ever getting settled. If you run every time somebody offends you, you're going to get offended as long as you got breath in your body by somebody. Jesus said offenses will come. Get over it. Because the mission is too great. Three parts. Three things, points I want to make this morning, and then I'm going to get you out of here. Three points. I'm going to talk about for a moment the importance of unity, the areas where we must have unity, and then we're going to talk about the results of unity, which I think is really going to get you excited. The importance of unity. Let's take the first one. God commands unity. Look at Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. Look at this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. How many know that when, when you're flowing, you're walking in unity, when you're walking in a sense of oneness, how many know it's a beautiful feeling? It's beautiful. He says, watch this. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Look at the picture. Look at the imagery here. He, he said, see, the Mount Hermon is, is one of the highest elevations in Israel. It's a beautiful, some 7,000 feet, that thing got crazy elevation. And the imagery that he's showing us is when the, when, the, when the brethren dwell together in unity, he says, it's a picture of beauty. It's gorgeous. Unity is attractive. You ask the question, why do gang members want to be a part of a gang? I mean, now, let me say gang is wrong. Okay, gang, don't do that. Not be a part of God's gang. 
But even in, in, even in wrong thinking, listen to this. They have this, if you talk to any gang member, you know what they'll tell you? It's a sense of belonging. And, and, you know, and we like the fact, that I feel like I, I have family. I, I, you know, and we're together. Even though they're, they're together for all the wrong reasons oftentimes. It is the fact that they are together. And that unity is attractive. How many know that when we are walking together in Christ's love, how many know the church ought to be the picture of unity? The church ought to be because it's attractive. It makes those who are on the outside say, I want to be a part of that. You don't even have to be a whole lot of you. But, but if I can see a people that love each other, that are walking together, they're unified, they have a common goal, they love that. I want to be a part of that, right? I like that. But you know who else likes it? Which is more important than that? God. Everybody say God. The Bible says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. Get that. Anywhere that God commanded the blessing, I want to be there. Can I get an amen? How many know when God bless you, you get blessed? When I bless you, you know, you may not be much. <laughs> Probably ain't going to be much. But when God said, I commanded a blessing, God said, when I see my people walking together in unity, in my will, doing my work, he says, I'm commanding blessing. Command the blessing. So here's the way I look at this. <laughs> if God want to command the blessing, then I need to get in line because I don't want to do anything that will undermine the blessing that belongs to me. I don't want to undermine it. I don't want to, I don't want to be one that's causing any problems. I want to be the person that, that walks in the anointing and the place that God wants me to be so I can experience the maximum blessing. I don't know about you. No, I know about you. You work too hard. You give your time and your money and your resources to serving God and serving his people. And let me tell you something. You ought to be radical against anything that will threaten the blessing of God. Disunity threatens it. How many know the opposite side of that? He says, Lord, command a blessing with unity. How many know that disunity, it does just the opposite? I've said this before. God don't bless no mess. Never have. He never will. But here's the beautiful thing about it. We know how to position ourselves. We know what we got to do. But yes, you're going to have to fight. Everybody ain't like you. Everybody don't talk like you. And by the way, everybody ain't as anointed as you. I get it. Because some of you are like, you bad. You're super duper anointed. There's diversity in the body of Christ. But when we come around a common goal, oh, God, Lord, I pray that we hear this. When we begin to embrace this spirit of unity and we begin to come together, we can accomplish so much more for God. If God be for me, all I need that if God is for me, I can do this. Look at the name and say, I can do it. If God is for you, you're better than all the world against you. Come on, church. So God commands unity. And in Genesis chapter number 11, 
he, he, think of this. Here's a tablet of Babel. This was right after the flood. <clears throat> so they all come together. And they say, you know, let us. Now, you got to remember, this was many, many thousands of years ago. So we didn't have cars. We didn't have rockets. <laughs> you know, we didn't have airplanes. Had none of that. And here's what they said. Here, listen to what they said. They said, they said, let us come together and build ourselves a city. Mm. Listen to that, ourselves. You see, you, see, you see something happening now? You see something? You begin to see that? And a tower whose top is in the heavens. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Think about that. You're going to build a city <laughs> whose top is going to go all the way to the heavens. Now, you would think, you would think that God might sit there and go, yeah, well, you know, let's see what they can do. But more than likely, they ain't going to pull that off. You think that's what God did? Uh-uh. You just read your Bible, didn't you? God said, look at this. After they said that, it says in verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Look at verse 6. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are what? A principle. Unity is a principle. Listen to this. And they have one what? Language. And this is what they have begun to do. No, and watch what God said. Here's what God said. God said, now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. God wasn't condemning the fact that they were unified. He was just condemning the fact that they wanted to, to build outside of the parameters that he wanted them to build. He wanted them to build and populate the earth. They decided, we're going to build a city up to heaven. God said, no, we ain't, we ain't doing it. And, 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 this, and, and the principle of unity was so strong. That God himself had to come down and stop him. He's like, if, if I don't stop him, nothing will be impossible. Amen. If they were wrong outside of the will of God, if they were wrong outside of the parameters of God, how much more is the sky the limit for us who walk in the will of God? what we can achieve. Amen. Oh, goodness. Could you imagine? There is nothing that can stop us. TV ministry, who cares? Nothing. Build your own church? No problem. Send millions to some impoverished nation across the sea? No problem. Nothing shall be impossible to them that will be one. That's why the devil make you crazy. Mmm. And you got to get mad. How I many know we're turning on the light switch today? <laughs> I grew up in the country, and we used to have these little things called bugs. I'm being nice. <laughs> and, and, you know, at, you know, at nighttime, you know, you get up every now and then, you get hungry in the middle of the night, and, and you go cut the lights on, it looked like your house had been taken over by these little bugs, uh, um, known as roaches. <laughs> Some of y'all, yeah, never mind. So, so, so we, so we must understand that the force of unity, how powerful it is. How the, all of us got to be, listen, we got to attach ourselves to anything that's going to promote 
unity for the cause of God. Why? Because the blessing is great. Watch this. But look at this. The Bible says a house divided cannot stand against itself. Here's another reason we must understand unity is so important. Mark 3.25. Jesus said that a house divided cannot what? Now, I know some of you think you're talented, you're gifted enough to pull it off in your physical strength, but you can't. How many know this is spiritual stuff? This is spirit. This has nothing to do with your ability and your flesh. We talk about matters of the kingdom. We talk about spiritual. It is all spiritual. And the only way to deal with spirit, you got to deal with spirit and spirit. Flesh, you can't, your flesh ain't strong enough. Your flesh can't cut it. Let me tell you, well, well you know, I can, I can try to be, no, you can't try to do anything because Truth is truth. God is spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth. It's spiritual. House divided cannot stand. Jesus didn't say it might not stand. He said it won't stand. Eventually. It may take a moment. It may take a second. It may take a little while. But eventually, until they embrace the principle of unity, it's going to crumble. It's going to crumble. Look at your neighbor and say this. I'm dis no, say, say, say this. I'm allergic, I'm allergic to disunity. Look at somebody on the other side. Say, I'm, are, you dis, are you allergic to disunity? <laughs> yeah. The areas where we must have unity. Let's keep rolling here. I want to get you out here at a good hour. Areas where we must have unity. So we talked about the importance of unity. We understand that we can't do anything without it. Satan knows that. I said before, at the onset of this sermon, how that the enemy caused a third of angels to fall in heaven. He did it in heaven. You know he can do it here. And he does do it here. I've been around long enough to see how the enemy works. So watch this. So areas where we must have unity, where we must have unity. Number one, we must have unity in our vision and our purpose as a people. Our vision is to make devoted followers, uh, devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to train and equip believers to become mature disciples. That's what we're all about here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say do them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house, what? On the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, watch this, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man. Don't matter who you are. If you don't do what Jesus says, you're a foolish man. Amen. Who, who built his house on the sand and the rains descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And great was his fall. Not just that it fell. He said it was great. You ever, seen, you ever seen some of God's leaders, some of God's men, women, who seem to be riding high all of a sudden, 
they got a, found, they got a crack in their foundation. And when they fall, how do you know that they fall what? Hard. Hard. How many you know you can't, you can't fool, you can fool people, but you can't fool God? See, see, Foundation Church, everybody say foundation. Foundation, foundation Church is about building a foundation. A right foundation. See, how many know that a good foundation starts, as it relates to Christian, it starts with a commitment to obedience to God. I know nowadays, here's what we say. I'm not obeying God in that area because God is still working on me with that, and you just need to pray for me. No, you need to repent and do what you're supposed to do. The church said amen. I said it real quick for you, just in case you didn't say it. See, we, we got real cute words, you know. We don't do what we're supposed to do. Well, you know, I'm under grace. Don't mess with me. God, cover my mess. If you live thinking that way, you are a fool. You're only fooling yourself. And your foundation got some cracks in it. And when the pressures of life hit you, we're going to see what you're really made of. Oh, but he said, a person that hears my word and obeys it. He said, I'm going to show you what that person like. They're like a person that built their house on a rock. The rains come, the floods come, the trials and temptations come of life. And boy, the wind blowing, you're bending, but you're still standing because you are founded upon a rock. Obedience will stabilize you. See, we believe in Foundation Church. There are too many people that got cracks in their foundations. You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, you know, Foundation Church is just for new believers. No, it's not. How I, I many know that I don't care what building you got structured, if it ain't built on the right foundation, it, it ain't right. Amen. You can be saved for 40 years. If your foundation ain't right, sooner or later, it's going to manifest itself. So foundationally, we need to come back to this place of good old-fashioned Lord, I'm going to obey your word. God, if you show it to me. See, here's the problem with being in a church like this to actually preach the word. You're accountable for what you hear. And I'm going to make sure when I get to heaven, I'm saying, the first thing I'm going to say, I'm going to rat you out. God, I told him. <laughs> I'm going to rat you out. I sure am. And I don't care. And yet, I'm going to stand. God, get him. Get him. Don't mess with me. I'm going to tell him. God, I told them they ain't following. I told them. You ain't going to get me jacked up. Oh, no, I'm snitching with authority. See, you are only as effective as your foundation. You are. You're only as a building can be, how I many know that some, if a building just look good, but its foundation ain't right? You haven't been taught right? You haven't been discipled properly? At some point, that building's going to fall. There are a lot of Christians that look like they're strong and tall, but boy, when a little pressure hit them. Can I say this? Life has a way of putting you in the pressure cooker. It has a way of putting you in it. And, and you must understand, and the only way that you're going to get there is you got to take your medicine. Look at the name and say, take your medicine. you got to digest this word. you got to be a person that's committed to this thing. You got to be a person that understands that true discipleship, hear me, is not about 
Not, it, it, it's about transformation and not just information. True discipleship is not just, see, some of you want information so you can win an argument. That ain't going to buy you nothing but winning an argument. <laughs> That's all it's going to do. But show me a Christian that is mature, brother, sister. I'll show you a Christian that walks what they talk. They don't have to tell me nothing. Let me see you walk. Don't tell me how much you know. I don't need to know how deep you can go. You know, I'm, I'm pretty simplistic. I, I very rarely share any words that's like deep. You know, Jesus didn't share any words that were deep. He said, like, love your enemies. How deep is that? Be good to those. I mean, you don't want to do it, but it wasn't like deep. Like, whoa. <laughs> Just the word, man. It's the word that's the word it says. So in our church, here's what we do. See, the Bible said in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it said, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. Oh, when people look at your life, can they take note and say, you done change. You've been hanging out with them Jesus people. Yeah, because you don't talk like I talk. You don't walk like I talk. You don't look like something different about. Has anybody ever said that about you? If nobody ever said that about you, listen, check yourself. Paul said that. He said, test yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Because how do you know that we're talking about radical transformation? Not information. But transformation. How I many you know that the disciples were changed in that way? In our church, we are about the Jesus model. The Jesus model. How did you, you hear me say this all the time? Jesus preached to the masses, but he demonstrated discipleship to the 12. You remember, look at, look at Matthew. Look, run to Matthew chapter 17 very quick. Very quickly, if you will. I don't want to keep it long. I'm trying to go as fast as I can without doing disservice to my assignment that God has given me for this morning for you. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 and 20. Are, are you there? And, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down him, uh, to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Uh, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Listen to this. But then the disciples came to Jesus, what? Privately. And said, why could we not cast him out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved. And nothing will be impossible to you. So what did Jesus do? I want you to look up. If you listen, say amen. Jesus preached to the master. You know, he just, he condemned the masters. He said, when they came to him, they said, Jesus, you know, your disciples, they, they ain't got the anointing you got. They weren't able to cast them out. Jesus just generalized. He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. He didn't necessarily call out the twelve. But what he did with the 12 is that after um, 
they couldn't figure out what was going on. The 12 looked at that, and they were stunned. They were like, but you know what Jesus would often do? He would often get alone with the 12, and he would explain to them what he did. Can I put in a plug for our Bible study for life right here? This is a plug. This is what our Bible study for life is all about. See, discipleship, the best way that you can, how many of you want to grow fast in God? The best way you can grow fast in God, watch this, is to get into a position where you're being discipled by someone, mentored by someone, a small group of people where you can ask questions, where you can talk and you can discuss. Because how many know we feed off of each other? You are never going to grow by yourself. How many of you ever met a Christian and said, I don't need church people, I grow by myself? The, the, you can look at them and tell, you ain't growing, thinking like that. Obviously. Obviously. How many know we need each other? The Bible says we need each other. We're called to walk together. So in the Jesus model of discipleship, and our vision of our house is, is that we seek to disciple. So how do we do that? We want to get you into a setting where you can talk, where you can ask questions, where you can begin to tailor make your life. You can begin to deal with issues that you deal with every day. How many know until you bring this Bible to where you is, all it is is a bunch of chit-chat on Sunday morning. But until you can bring it to where you live, it won't change your life. If you can get in Bible, you, listen, if you are smart and wise, get in Bible studies for life, Bible study in February. Come out and, and listen. Ask questions, learn, and accelerate your growth. I promise you, you will grow. Now let's keep moving. So we have to be uh, unified around our vision and our mission, which I just explained to you. Number two, we got to be unified in our doctrine. Unified in our doctrine. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many know that what you believe is important? I want to say it again. What you believe is important. How many know that we need to be people of the word of God? People of the word. People of the word that understands the word. I am not offended when you tell me, Pastor, I went back and checked up on something you said. That's a good thing. You know what that tells me? You're actually reading. It tells me you actually uh, are not just taking my word for it, but you're like a Berean. The Bible described in the book of Acts that the Bereans, they didn't just listen to the Apostle Paul. You know what they did? Hey, well, let me go check out and see if that's what the scripture really said. Can I tell you something? You better live the rest of your life like that because there's some folk behind the pulpit. Everybody ain't got God's interest at, at hand. Everybody is not thinking. So you need to be always trusting and you need to look, look at neighbor, say verify. verify. No, no, say that. Say trust, but verify. <laughs> verify through the word. That's how you do it. St. Augustine said this, in essentials, unity. So we got to be unified in our doctrine. And listen to what St. Augustine said. He said, in essentials, unity. Non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. So how many know that we're not going to agree on every single thing? But there are some essential things that we must agree on. Am I right about it? If we're going to be a church with a common goal, there are some things we got to have agreement on. Like Jesus is God in flesh. We got to agree on that. We got to agree that Jesus is the only way to God. We got to agree on that. We got to agree that we are saved by grace and not by works. Is anybody here think you can work your way into heaven? Let me know. Because I'm going to school you real good. You should know yourself by now. You can't pull that off. We got to believe that Jesus rose again from the dead and he's coming back. 
That's what I call essential. The non-essentials. Well, here, here's what here, here. I'll just I'll throw this out. You know, you ever hear people argue? This is a non-essential issue to me. People argue. I've had people argue with me about when Jesus was coming back. Pre-trib, post-trib. Uh, I'm sorry, mid-trib and post-trib. Oh, he's coming back before the tribulation. Oh, some Christian. He's coming back in the middle of the tribulation. Oh, he's coming back at the end. And I've seen Christians divide over that. I'm like, it don't matter when. I just know he's coming. I'm going to be ready when he comes. Can we all agree on that? Amen. Look, you can believe when. You can believe he's coming tomorrow. You can believe he's coming. That's good. I ain't going to divide. And it's, something ain't worth dividing over. Or some people divide over this. Here's another one. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, you don't speak in tongues. So you ain't full of the spirit. This is, this is what people divide over. So you got one sector, oh, I believe in tongues, and, and they will divide over that. Look, if you want to speak in tongues, great, speak in tongues. Get with it. But everybody ain't going to speak in tongues. Get with that, too. It's what I call a non-essential. How many know that Satan wants us to battle over the things that are not that important at the end of the day? I've had people walk away from this church over the smallest of things. And it's amazing. And not just our church, but any church. We must be unified in our essential doctrines of a church. And I just gave that to you. Lastly, we got to be unified in our commitment to one another. We got to be <laughs> committed to each other. We got to be unified. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 and 20. You can write it down. She may have it on the screen. If the foot should say, you, you ask the question, well, Pastor, why do you say we need each other? Well, because the Bible says it. Here it is right here. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would uh, uh, all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. I mean, no, we gotta, we need each other. That's the way God designed it. We gotta love each other as Christ loved us. That's what we have to do. John 13, 35. We have to encourage each other and build each other up every day. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 11. Here's a big one. And we gotta be committed to each other's success. You know, uh, 1, Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member is honored, all the uh, members rejoice with it. I mean, I'm supposed to be excited if you get promoted. I'm supposed to get excited if God bless you. See, how many know that we have to be committed to each other's success in the house. I was listening last night. I was listening. I watched a little bit of the football game uh, at the end last night, the uh, Seattle-Carolina Panther game. Anybody see that? Well, it looked like Dallas going to end up playing Seattle for the championship. Throw it out, throw it out. I'm coming back. Father, forgive me. All right. So, but Pete Carroll said something that was, he caught me. I mean, it was like, it came out of nowhere. You remember, some of you who, may, who, who watch football, you remember uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they won the Super Bowl last year. And they had this, this terrific defense called the Legion of Boom. 
That's what they call them, the Legion of Boom. And them boys are fast, they're quick, they're good. So they started this year, 2014 season, and they had lost. They were, they were at one point three and three. A lot of people were saying that they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna repeat as Super Bowl champions. So Pete Carroll said that, you know what? I actually sit down with our guys and I talk to them. He said, here's what he said. Listen, he said, he said, listen, all of y'all are playing together. It mean, means that all of you are on the field. You all show up. But here's what he said. He said, but you're not playing for each other. See the difference? Just because you're here and we're together doesn't mean that we're for each other. Y'all listening to me? And you know what happened? All of a sudden, things change. Now they're the top dog all over again. How many know that we got to pray and we got to fight for each other? Listen, if you're a person, you're like, listen, can I, let me, let me talk for a moment. Listen, listen. If you want love, so love. Don't sit in your seat and say this. Nobody ever care about me. Nobody ever loved me. Listen to me. The Bible says he who desires friendly must first show himself friendly. The Bible says you reap what you sow. So if you want somebody to serve you, instead of sitting home saying, nobody cares about me, nobody serve me, then you go serve somebody else. That's how the kingdom works. You reap what you what? Sow it. You want more love? Sow more of it. You want more? This is how God's kingdom works. You give more. That'll change. You see, we got to fight for each other. So listen, the attitude cannot be, well, that ain't my ministry. If I see something, that's, 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 that's a Sean's ministry. I ain't got nothing to do with that. No, 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 no. If I can help Sean, I have the capacity to do it, I need to go help him too. Why? Because in helping him, I'm helping us. I, we got to fight for each other. We got to be for each other. This is how we're going to function as a people and as a church. And the results of unity, look at this, in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. You got that verse? Look at this. Uh, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Keep going. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed her, what, were together, had all things common, Watch this. and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among the poor, all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Watch this. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Here's the beauty of unity. Number one, salvation. How many know that's why we do what we do? God added to the church. People got saved. Verse 4 to 7, they said the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Another benefit, a result of unity, is signs and wonder. God, how many, how, many, how, many, how many of you have ever just felt like God just showed me a sign that you're with me? Anybody ever felt that way? The Bible says when we flow together in unity, signs and wonders, God do supernatural things. This invokes the presence and the power of God. How many know that you want your coming to service on Sunday not to be in vain? You want God's power working in you. Am I right about it? I mean, we don't want to read about God's miracles and power. We want to experience it. I don't know about you. I don't want to just sit here and lay my eyes on it. I want to experience what it's like to be healed. I want to experience miracles. I would love to see the Red Sea part. Hallelujah. 
Come on. Signs and wonders. This is the benefit of unity. A sense of belonging, verse 4 to 4, that the Bible said they were together. Everybody look at the name and say, stay together. They were together. Nobody was stingy. Everybody was sharing their stuff. One thing I like about our church is I believe we're a church that like to share. That's a good thing. Even when we had the Christmas party, people were taking stuff. Nobody was mad, I don't think. They were happy. Verse 46. <laughs> so, listen, there was peace and there was joy. This is the benefit of unity. They were eating their food with gladness. This belonged, this is our inheritance. I want to feel good when I come around you. You want to feel good when you come around me. I want to laugh when I see your face. I don't want to, oh, I want to laugh. I want to rejoice. We're the people of God. There should be joy in the house of God. If anybody walking around all sad, just pray, get some oil. I got some. Slap it on their head. Wake up. We're in the house of God. Okay. And they had favor. Everybody say favor. God gave them favor. Favor. All as a result of them being on one accord. Now you see now why we need to strive for unity. It's to our benefit. It's for us. I'm going to do, do whatever I have to do to protect this house. Everybody say protect this house. Now I got a little video I want to show you. It's about 30 seconds long. Hold on for, before you show. Hold on. It's about 30 seconds long. And I'm not advertising whatever they got up there, you know. But I want you to catch the message because this is what we're about here at Foundation Church. Run it. This is our house. Everything you have trained for your entire life has prepared you for this moment. It's us versus them. All I want to talk about is how big they are. And this is the year they knock us off. Well, when they come in here, they got to play our game in our house, and nobody beats us in our house. Protect this house. Got to protect the unity of the spirit. Protect this house. It's for your benefit. It's for my benefit. Because what God want to do, you are an integral part of it, every one of you. And we got to work together to protect our house for the greater good. Amen? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We never, ever like to close the service without giving everybody an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. Everything I said today doesn't really mean a whole lot to you until you first come to a place where you surrendered your life. And may I add, just coming to church does not save you. Showing up and hearing me preach this morning does not save you. What saves you is that you make a decision that you're going to give your life to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that this morning, Remember I said before, we can't fool anybody. We can't fool God. The Bible says God knows those who are his. Your eternal destiny is critically important. Because you're going to spend eternity either in heaven with him forever, or you'll spend it in hell. Jesus came that you might not have to do that today. That's love. That's love. We're here today in unity because God loves you. And if you know in your heart you're not saved today, you have no confidence that if you die today, you say, Pastor, I really don't know. I don't know if I die today. I can't say for sure where I end up. 
Today you can know it. Today you can know it. If you're sitting here today and you don't know that you're saved, and you want to give your life to Jesus. Yeah, you've been struggling, you've been fighting, you've been doing it on your own, it has not worked, but you need to give your life to him today. I don't care who you are, I don't care if you've been coming here for a year. If you've never turned your heart over to Jesus, I want to open the doors of a church up for you right now. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Just slip your hand. See, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to get saved today. I want to get right with God. I'm tired. My life is not kicking it, it's, it's not working for me. I'm ready to go all the way. I'm ready to go all the way. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Amen. Maybe you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. He's reminded you of the importance of being in unity. He reminded you of the importance of being about His work. His work in the earth is being done all over the world. And anywhere where God's work is being done, we need to be careful to make sure that we are promoting it and we do nothing to tear it down. I just want, I just want you to sit right where you are and ask the Lord to search your heart. Maybe you haven't behaved in a way that promoted the unity of the spirit for whatever reason and maybe your reason you feel is a good reason but now is the time to just repent in your heart I want to just take a moment and ask you to search your heart and ask God have I done everything that I can to promote unity amongst the people of God and to promote and advance his kingdom in the earth I want you to take a moment and search your heart and then I'm going to pray God, we understand. Lord, the reason we're here is because we first understand, God, that we need to be together because you've called us to be together. you called us to be interdependent on each other to some extent as it relates to advancing your cause in the earth. God, forgive us for those times, Lord, when we haven't been good examples. Forgive us those times, Lord, when we've spoken ill about our brother and our sister in a way that was divisive. Forgive us, Lord, for those times, Lord God, when we haven't responded in a way that honors and glorify you. Father, you know the heart of every person in this room. I pray, God, I pray, God, that you would start with me, that, God, that you will reveal, Lord, so that we can be healed, so that we can be whole, and we can experience the fullness of what you have for this church. God, we believe, God, that you have wonderful plans for our church, that we have the capacity and the ability, by your grace, if we walk in love, we walk in unity, we can make a difference, God. We can make a difference, God. So bless your people, Lord. Strengthen our church, God. Make us more unified than we've ever been before. Not a show of unity, but a unity that comes down from the depths of our souls. Tie us together, Lord, in the depths of our souls. And Satan, we put you on notice 
that God's kingdom, his work will continue. His work cannot be stopped. The gates of hell will not prevail because Jesus is our champion. So we put you on notice today in the name of Jesus that we are standing firm, that we're continuing the work that God has called us to do. We will not relent. We will not draw back, but we will persevere until Jesus is glorified amongst us. Father, we thank you today. We thank you. We thank you. We praise you today, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Come on, stand to your feet. Amen. I want you to grab the person. In fact, I want you to even cut across the aisle. I want you to grab.